0: Ye Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord all ye Gentiles, and laud him all ye people. And again Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in the believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity, Father, that we have to be in your house On a Sunday night. God, I pray that you would bless each and every person that's here. And God, those that have tuned in online, I pray that you would bless them, encourage them, strengthen them. God, and God, may we learn from your word tonight and may we uh, get something from you, Father. I pray that you'd use me, speak through me. Father, may we uh, find great truth in this chapter and God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. As we look at this portion, uh, verses 8, really through the end of the chapter, I've entitled the message, The Gentile Ministry. And if you know about the book of Romans, we've kind of covered here, there's a great divide that he really Paul is trying to span and bring the two sides together. That would be the Gentile people who had been saved. Now Gentiles, uh, we'll just call that any, anyone who is not a Jew. Okay, They would be referred to as a Gentile person. And then the Jewish people. And you have to remember, the the Jewish people were, were God's favorite chosen people for years. And so for God to branch out and adopt the Gentile people and bring them all together was almost offensive to the Jew. Uh, I mean, here they had been uh, for years, for thousands of years, uh, been God's chosen people and who God worked through and who God ministered through. And now God has amplified that and, and, and greatly opened it up to all Gentile people. And so you could see how that would cause a great rift within one church and within one congregation. And he opens up the book of Romans. I went back and referenced it as I was uh, looking over the text and everything. And he, and he doesn't say, like many epistles, to the church that is in Ephesus or to the church that is in Philippi. He says to all Christians that be in Rome, And I think maybe uh, there were probably church splits that took place in Rome and there were Jewish congregations and there were Gentile congregations and they may have very well been clashing in the streets. I don't mean they went out with swords and they were fighting, but if they ran into each other on the streets, you could very well imagine a verbal argument that would take place that you guys aren't Christian because you don't celebrate these holidays. And that the Gentile would respond, you're not Christian because you try and force everyone else to celebrate those holidays. And that's not Christian. And so you could see where this would become a great problem. And so the Apostle Paul has written this letter to bring those two sides together. And for them to understand, hey, we are one in Christ Jesus. And that's a lot of his point Uh, That's why Romans is such a a phenomenal book on the doctrine of salvation because he is very clear about what salvation entails and he eliminates the religious uh, holidays, the religious uh, exercises of the Jews as a part of salvation. And we covered that, of course, in chapter 14 where he says you are free to practice those religious exercises but they are not they they will not benefit you before the Lord if it's your custom go for it if it's not your custom don't worry about it and so we find here in ex Genesis chapter 15 he's advocating how uh, both Jew and Gentile are can both be saved and so it's the Gentile ministry and uh, and it, and it's very interesting to look at this chapter and and it just Is pretty clear so as we look here in verse number 8 we find that example of Jesus Christ so the Gentile ministry is defended and he starts off with Jesus Christ and he says now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the Father so he's saying hey Jesus Christ As a Jew from the Jewish nation, his ministry was to the Gentile people. And he brings that out. Uh, And so he says, hey, Jesus, who is the ultimate example, who is the, the founder of Christianity, being a Jew, ministered to Gentile people. And that's his first argument is the example of Jesus Christ. And he gives it very clearly. He says that he was uh, for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. And uh, he says in verse nine that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. In other words, that, hey, even the Gentiles can be saved uh, through the ministry of Of Jesus Christ, so he gives the example of Jesus, and then nine through thirteen he gives the evidence of Scripture. I'm amazed at how much uh, Scripture the Apostle Paul used here. Looking with me in verse nine, he says, "And that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy, as it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing." to thy, uh, sing unto thy name. Uh, there were many verses that kind of reference that. I don't know exactly where, but, uh, 2nd Samuel 22 and verse 50 seems to seem very similar to what the apostle Paul is quoting. And, and it says in 2nd Samuel twenty-two fifty, 50, therefore I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and I will sing praises unto thy name. And, uh, and so he's, he's saying, hey, Look at Scripture confirms that the heathen uh, would give thanks unto the Lord. And and so we see that in 2 Samuel 22.50. Verse number 10, again he quotes Scripture. And he says, And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. Deuteronomy 32.43 says, Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people. Uh, and so that nations would be nations outside of Judaism because they're to rejoice with the Jewish nations. So therefore, that would be Gentile people by definition. And so he's saying, hey, uh, it's scriptural that Jesus would come and that he would die on the cross and open salvation to all people. Verse number 11, and again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud Him, all ye people. There's many verses throughout Psalms that would go very well with this, but Psalm 117.1 says, O praise the Lord, all ye nations, praise Him, all ye people. And so even in Old Testament, we find that there was room for Gentiles to be able to praise the Lord. Verse number 12, he does give us the idea of where it comes from. He says in verse 12, And again, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. We find that in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, and then uh, verse number 10, which says, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And then verse number 10 says, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And so what he's saying is, hey, even in your Old Testament Scripture, as he would be addressing the Jews, he'd say, hey, there's room in the Old Testament for the Gentiles to praise the Lord through salvation. And so he's giving them all the evidence of Scripture. And to many of the Jews, this would be uh, they, they'd read that, and they'd say, "Wow, yeah, he's right. There is room in the Old Testament uh, for the Gentiles to worship the Lord." And so we have the Gentile ministry is defended. Look with me there in verse number 13. And he says this, "Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace." "...in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another." And he's saying, listen, God wants to use you in this ministry to reach the Gentiles. Now, many of the Jews would have thought, man, I don't know if we can reach the Gentiles. Matter of fact, if you read through the book of Acts, uh, even even the apostle Peter uh, was unsure. And, And when Gentiles started getting saved and receiving the Holy Spirit, they were like they were their mind was blown. They're like, wow, even the Gentiles can be saved. And even the Gentiles are receiving the Holy Spirit. And they were amazed. They were saying, wow, this is this is crazy. Uh, because they just weren't expecting that. But he says there that, hey, God wants to, uh, now the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In other words, hey, you need to have joy and you need to have peace in believing that even the Gentiles can be saved. And this was a new kind of revelation to them, and, and they didn't realize that, not to us. And we said here Some 2000 years later and we say, man, praise the Lord, uh, because you and I are Gentiles and and we can be saved. And we're grateful for that. It's not new to us, but it was certainly new to them. And so uh, we can look at that and we say, hey, the Gentile ministry is being defended in these verses as we look at this. Now I want you to look at verse 15 through 29. We're not going to read them all for sake of time, uh, but the Gentile ministry is then defined as Paul puts it into ministry. So in verses 8 through 14, we have the Gentile ministry defended, and then in verses 15 through 29, we have the the Gentile ministry defined. Look with me in verse number 15. He says, Nevertheless, brethren... I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. I love the phrase there in the middle of the verse, as putting you in mind. Paul is saying, hey, I'm setting the record straight. I want to make sure that you know what's going on and that these Gentiles can be saved. It was the purpose for Paul writing back to Rome. And saying, look, here is the purpose that I've been writing. Here is the purpose for all my arguments. It is to set the record straight and make sure that you understand that everybody can be saved. Uh, they were obviously confused and messed up in the ministry. And, and as I'd said, the, the Jews were telling the Gentiles, no, you have to do this. And the Gentiles were upset saying, well, Paul said we didn't have to do that. And the Holy Spirit hasn't led us to do that. And, and there was this conflict. And so the the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, I've written back to put you in mind, to straighten it all out, so that you understand this is what the Gentile ministry is, and he's going to define it for them. Look in verse number 16. He says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. He goes down there and he says there in verse... uh, Look with me in verse... I believe it's 19. Well, Let's just read in verse 17. I'll, I'll find it. I have therefore... I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of anything any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about to uh, Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. It was in verse number 19. Uh, and so we have him writing for the purpose of putting them in mind and straightening them out. And verse number 19, he names it very clear for the purpose of preaching the gospel to the Gentile nation. And in verse number 19, even there, he names from where he has been. And if you look at the travels, the apostle Paul, he covered a large area. Uh, three separate trips. I don't know how many he had made by the time he wrote this epistle, but, uh, but he had traveled a great distance. And what was the purpose of that? It was to reach the Gentiles. It was to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to Ephesus and to Corinth and to Rome and to Phil- uh, Philippi and, and to Thessalonica and to all the cities that he would visit and he would go there and he would preach the gospel over and over and over. And Paul was the apostle to the Gentile people. And he's saying, listen, God called me and God sent me to these uh, Gentile people so that they too could hear the the word of God. Look at verse number 17. He says, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. He's saying, listen, I take great joy in reaching the Gentile people with the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Apostle Paul. He was saying, listen, this is not a grudge to me. This is something that I take as my life's calling. God had called him. God had directed him. And he was grateful for the opportunity and the privilege. And he counted it as a glory. uh, As we looked at this morning, it was the purpose of his life to be able to get gospel uh, to these Gentile people. And so he was excited about that. And verses 18 and 19, as we read, uh, it was all the way from uh, Jerusalem all the way out to Illyricum. And uh, and he preached the gospel in town after town and after town. That was Paul's heart's desire, is to reach those people. And so he took great joy in that and great uh, um, excitement in that as he's defining what is the ministry. Look at verse number 20. And he gives not only the putting in mind and the preaching, but the philosophy in verse number 20. He says this, I love this in verse 20. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. You know what the Apostle Paul was doing? He said, man, I want to go where the, the name of Christ has not been named. The Apostle Paul wasn't looking to move into somebody else's territory and try and uh, convert those people that had already heard of Christ. The Apostle Paul was, uh, was greatly interested in going to the worlds and going to the places where Jesus Christ had not been named. He said, man, I take great joy in that. That was his philosophy of ministry, to say, I'm not interested in reaching uh, others who already have heard of Jesus Christ. And as I think about it, I think, you know, that ought to be our ministry philosophy. And what's that mean? We should all move to Asia. No, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, think about it. Our ministry is not to say, well, here is, David Lent, come on up here and help me out for a minute. Come on up here. David Lent's at home. He's sitting in his nice recliner. I knock on his door. I say, hey, David Lent, how are you? And I don't know him. I say, you go to any church anywhere? And he says, yeah, I go to such and such, I go to such, and such Baptist church. And I say, oh, man, David, you need to come to our church. Man, we, we got a church, and, and you play piano? You play piano? Well, you really need to come to our church. I mean, man, we could use you. You want to teach a class? I mean, we got a class you could teach you know, and and I'm I'm prying David, and and all of a sudden, man, I I've got him convinced, and he's coming to our church. And the Apostle Paul is saying, "Hey, that's not my objective to go and find somebody who's already saved and already active in a church and already serving the Lord, but rather my goal is to knock on somebody's door." Now David is somebody else. Knock on his door. Hi, how are you? And and David says, "Well, I'm not. I don't know anything about." Jesus. I don't know anything about salvation. That's exactly who Paul was looking for. He said, man, that's the guy I want to reach. That's the guy I want to give the gospel to because this guy, he needs to know the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. You can go sit down. You had a really easy part tonight. And that that should be the goal of our ministry is to say, we're you know, I'm not opposed to people coming uh, that are already saved. I welcome them. But can I tell you that my target is to reach those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ? And there's those that maybe they come from a church that's not doctrinally straight, and they come over and they're like, man, they don't preach the right doctrine over there. Hey, welcome, come on in. You know, We want you to come and join a church. But our goal and our, our, our mindset as the Apostle Paul is, is to reach those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. You do not have to go to Asia to find lost people. You do not have to go to South America to find lost people. You can go down, down to Maslin. You don't even have to go to Canton to find lost people. You can go to Richville, and it's even smaller, and find lost people. What I'm saying is there are people right here that have not been built upon. They have no foundation. And our philosophy of ministry ought to be to reach those people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, I want to reach people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me in verse number 22. So 20 and 21, he explains his philosophy of ministry. And in verse 22 down through 29, he gives us practical ministry. In verse 22, he says, For which cause cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you? He's saying, listen, I've been so busy preaching the gospel and finding these regions and finding these people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ that I have not been able to come to you. In other words, Paul's saying, hey, I want to come to you there in Rome, but I've been hindered. Look in verse number 24. He says in verse number 24, Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with Your company, Verse. jump down to verse 28, he splits his thought here. In verse 28, he picks it up. When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. In other words, Paul's saying, hey, uh, I want to come... To Rome, and I want to visit with you, and I want to face to face see you, and I want to uh, uh, to talk with you, and and uh, and spend some time with you. But I've been hindered because I've been busy preaching the gospel in these regions beyond to these Gentile people. And so he says, when I I hope to be able to come to you. In verse twenty five, he kind of interjects this thought that he wants to be uh, a help. He says there in verse twenty five. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. And so he's saying, listen, uh, those those guys, and we, we read about this in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, and he says those guys have taken up an offering for the saints that are at Jerusalem. What was going on in Jerusalem? There was great persecution to every Christian. And so the the Gentile people had taken up an offering to help out the the Jews and the the saved people that were there in Jerusalem. And the Apostle Paul saying, "Hey, I've got to come by and I got to take this down to Jerusalem." Now Paul was in Greece. If you think about Greece, where it's located, uh, Jerusalem would be to the south. Rome would be off to the uh, never eat soggy worms to the west. And so Paul was saying, "Hey, I've got to go south, and I'm going to come west to you when I go to Spain." Uh, and when I go I'll swing by Rome, and I'll stop and visit you." But first, I have to take this offering. So he wanted to be a help and a blessing to the Gentiles and to the or the Jews, rather, that were in Jerusalem. And I find it very ironic because the entire book, the Apostle Paul is saying, "Hey, listen, the Jews and Gentiles can all be saved." By grace. There's no reason to have division. There's no reason to be separated. There's no reason to have a, a difference uh, between the, the Jew and the Greek or the Gentile, but that salvation is one through Jesus Christ. And then he goes on this uh, tangent where he's explaining, hey, listen, the Gentiles have taken up offerings. You go back and you reread that in uh, Corinthians. I wish I had written it down. and I don't think I did but it's, in, uh, it's either in 1 Corinthians 8 or 2 Corinthians 8, and he says, when he's talking about it, he says, out of their deep poverty. We're talking about Gentile people who do not have much, who took up an offering to help the Jews that were in Jerusalem, the Christian Jews in Jerusalem, who were being persecuted because they were following the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying, oh, the irony of the Gentiles that have a heart of compassion for the Jews, the Christian Jews that are being persecuted, and all the Christians, really, that were there in Jerusalem who were suffering. And he said, hey, listen, I want to be a help and a, and a, and a, and a blessing to them. And so he's giving them the idea of practical ministry. Uh, Not just preaching the gospel, that's certainly uh, first and foremost that he describes and reaching those that do not know Christ, but also that idea of face-to-face coming to Rome and being a blessing to those people and talking with them, and further uh, preaching the, the Word of God, and helping them, and, and encouraging them, and exhorting them, and but also going to Jerusalem, and, and being a financial aid to those Christians who were suffering need. And so there's a practical aspect of ministry as well. And so the Gentile ministry is very well defined throughout these verses in verse 15 all the way down through 29, and that Paul is really giving them the idea of what the ministry of reaching the Gentiles or Jews or any Christian for that matter should look like. Go down with me in verse number 30. And we have not only the Gentile ministry defended in the first few verses, 8 through 14, we have the Gentile ministry defined in verses 15 down through 29, but then we have the Gentile ministry demanded of them in verse number 30. He says in verse number 30, watch this. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints. He's saying in verse number 30, he says, Listen, I know those, are, those of you that are Jews, Um, are are not sure about the Gentiles being saved. and, And those that are Gentiles may not even be sure about the Jews being saved. But he said, this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to strive with me in prayer. You know, it's very difficult to pray for somebody that you're upset with. Paul is joining them in unity. He's telling the Jews that maybe have a burr under their saddle against the Gentiles. He's telling them, hey, I want you to pray for the Gentiles that are sending an offering up to, to Jerusalem. Pray for them as they're helping to minister. And to the Gentiles, he's saying, hey, uh, listen, I want you to pray for the Jews that are being persecuted, the Christian Jews in Jerusalem who are suffering for the cause of Christ. I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray for our ministry as we go from these places and we go all the way to Judea. And Paul knew it was dangerous for him to go back to Jerusalem. Paul was not a, Paul was very bold. You go back and you read the uh, the book of Acts and you'll find Paul was persecuted multiple times and he goes through a list of of how he suffered shipwreck and how he'd been thrown in prison and how he'd been persecuted, how he'd been beaten and how he had been actually stoned and left for dead in Iconium and he tells all of that. And so Paul was very bold and Paul did not fear death and Paul did not fear uh, the government or anybody. And so Paul going back to Jerusalem was a very bold move and a dangerous move. And so he says to you in verse 30, pray for me. Join me in unity and pray as I go back and meet in Judea and meet with these Christians in Jerusalem. There's something about praying together. You know, in... And, and, um, In the book of Acts, chapter 12, when people pray together, things happen. I love, I just read that not too long ago in my devotions, I think it was chapter 12, if I'm not mistaken, Peter was uh, preaching, Peter was thrown in prison. And uh, and Peter, at midnight, he was in prison, I think it was midnight, it was late at night, nonetheless, he was sleeping, and, and an angel comes and taps him on the shoulder. And so Peter, he gets up, and he said, the chains fell off his hands and his feet. And I love it, it says... He put his shoes on. He didn't even have was at You know, he was in prison. He wasn't planning on going anywhere. He had his shoes off. And, and so he put his shoes on, and 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 sandals rather, and, and buckled them up. And, and he walked out of prison. He got to that first door. And he said, he was just standing there. And, and it opened right up. I mean, they didn't have automatic doors like we do today. So this was a new thing, okay? The doors opened right up, and Peter walked right out. And he got to the second gate of doors. And those doors, they just opened right up and Peter walked out and Peter thought I'm seeing a vision I mean this is all a dream I'm just sleeping back there in my cell and I'm just envisioning all of this as a dream Paul said and Peter said when he got out he realized he he said to the words he came to himself and he realized ouch this is real I'm awake I've I've just been released from prison. Not one guard woke up and stopped me. Nobody was there and opened the doors. The angel Lord walked him out and he goes to the house where uh, the church was assembled. And I love this story. I, I think God has a sense of humor. He knocks on the door and here are a group of believers that are gathered together that are praying for Peter. And who comes to the door? Rhoda comes to the door and she sees Peter and she rubs her eyes. My eyes have been closed too long. I think that's Peter. And I love the fact she shuts the door. She doesn't even bother letting him in. And goes back and says, Peter's standing in the street. And they're like, let him in? Why would you close the door? She's like, well, I don't know why I closed the door. And she goes back and and lets Peter in. And and Peter uh, goes right into the house. And their prayers were answered that night. Can I tell you something? There's just something about a group of people gathering together and praying for something specific. And that is what is taking place in Acts chapter 12. There's unity in prayer. They were praying together for Peter's release. And Peter was released. And uh, and they were amazed by that. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, Hey, unify your hearts. Because when there's unity in prayer, God does things... That aren't normally done. We find a great lesson in prayer. But then also in verse number 31, he says, Pray that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. And he's saying, Hey, I need your prayer. Because there are unbelievers in Judea who would like to persecute me, like to throw me in prison. And so there he's saying, pray for his uh that that God would protect him. As he's there in Judea. Look at verse number 31, the second part. And that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints. There's something about the idea there that uh, maybe they were prideful, maybe they were arrogant, and they wouldn't accept the help. I don't know really what the reasoning was. Maybe they would find out it was from the Gentile people. Maybe they would find out it was from people in extreme poor uh, con- living conditions who had given. Maybe that would touch their heart and they say, man, we can't take that. I don't really know what the reasoning is, but Paul was saying, hey, uh, listen, pray that they will accept the gift and that, we can be a, that the Gentile church can be a blessing to them that are there in Jerusalem. I remember when uh, I was in Peru and, and honestly, the first time I... I, I traveled to a church. I had preached in a few churches here and there, the churches that I was you know, learning and, 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 and ministering to. But I got invited to preach to a, a church that was in a different location. So I went to that church. I traveled there, and, and I preached at that church. And, and after everything was said and done, uh, the church there had collected a love offering and given it to me. And I thought, man, I, how can I take this? And, and I, I, I took it, but I felt so guilty when I took it, I, I thought, man, these are people who, uh, they live in and they have dirt floors in their houses. And I felt really bad. I mean, I, I thought, I can't take this. And, and I thought about it all night long. I thought, what am I going to, I need to give this back to them. I need to give it back to the pastor and, and tell them to use it. And I was just praying about what to do because honestly, I felt really bad taking it from them. And, 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 but they, they wanted me to take it. They wanted to give it to me. And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, if I give it back to them, it's like stealing a blessing from them. They, they took that money they wanted to give it to me. I didn't need the money. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't really a great amount by any stretch of the imagination. And I, I forget what I did. I might probably invested it in our church or whatever. But, but uh, the people there at Jerusalem, maybe they would have thought, man, we can't take money from these poor people that are there in whatever town that, uh, that, that Paul had, had talked to and that the Lord touched their heart to give it to them. So he's saying, hey, pray that they would accept it. And, uh, and we don't know exactly why, but uh, it may have been very humbling for them to accept that gift and, and take it from them as they didn't have very much. Then he says in verse number 32, he says, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and, and may with you be refreshed. He's saying in verse 32, pray for safe travels that I can make it from Jerusalem after my safety and after my mission there in Peru or in, in, in Jerusalem is all done, that I would travel back and God would give me safety in my journey. And as I visit with you in Rome, that, hey, we'll all be refreshed. And it will be a blessing to all that are involved. And so uh, he's asking them and basically telling them, hey, you need to be involved in the Gentile ministry by praying for this ministry that we're doing and praying that the Gentiles would be reached. Listen, as, our, as, as a church, and we are a Gentile church, but hey, we're not excluded from reaching the rest of the world. We ought to be encouraged to pray for our missionaries. We've got missionaries in, in many different places, and we ought to be familiar with who they are, and where they're serving, and what they're doing, and they send letters, and we ought to stand on top of praying for them. Why? Because that's what the Apostle Paul was saying you he saying, hey, as I go to Jerusalem and I minister to these saints that are in need and suffering uh, persecution, I want you to pray for me and uh, pray for my safety and travel and pray as I go. And, and so we need to be praying for uh, those who are going to other places. What an encouragement is he says, hey, be unified in that prayer. The Gentile ministry is demanded of all people. Nobody is excluded from reaching the world with the gospel. You say, well, maybe you can't go. That's probably most of us can't go. But we can all pray. We can all give something. And he talks about both of those things, about giving and praying and being involved. It doesn't exclude us just because we can't go. Uh, We ought to pray for those who are going and be involved in ministry. So we have three things the Gentile ministry defended the example of Jesus Christ in Scripture, we have the Gentile ministry defined with the preaching and the uh, philosophy and the practical side of it, of giving and praying and being involved. And then the Gentile ministry demanded, as the Apostle Paul says, hey, listen, just because you're Jews or just because uh, the Gentile, uh, you're Gentile and the Jews are against you, it does not exclude your involvement and in your prayer for the Christians that are in Jerusalem. He said we need to be involved in ministry and reaching the world with the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said it's a, it's a requirement for every Christian. And so I hope that helps you just understand the book of Romans and verse chapter number 15 as we see that very clearly. Paul is talking so much about the Gentile ministry. And, uh, and while we are Gentiles, boy, we have a great responsibility to reach the world with the gospel, by the way, that would include Jews. We ought to reach out to Jews, and I know it's not easy to reach Jewish people. Uh, but but Jewish people need the gospel just like anybody else does. You go about presenting it a little different, and uh, but it's still the same plan of salvation. A Jew today gets saved by putting his faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, just like you and I do. And so does in every Gentile, so does in every person. There's no uh, there's no culture, there's no person, there's no uh, people group that is excluded from the Great Commission. God commands us to go to all people in every place and reach them with the gospel. So all that's cleared up in Romans chapter 15 as he kind of culminates the entire book of Romans, just kind of giving those uh, few points that he gives there. As we stand to our feet, Their heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we thank You for Your Word. And God, for the Gentile ministry defended, God, how important it is for us to realize and understand that You died for the whole world. There's no people group to be excluded. God, I pray that You'd embed that in our hearts and in our minds. God, the Gentile ministry defined as He very clearly lays out the philosophy for reaching those who have not Christ and for preaching the Gospel, but then the practical helps as well of of encouraging face-to-face and giving and praying and, and doing the things, God, that we can do to be a practical help to those who need the Gospel and to other Christians. And God, as He then it closes out the chapter with that Gentile ministry demanded of every person. God, I pray that You would help us to be involved in reaching the world, Father, in prayer, in actively witnessing to other people, those that are around us. God, we cannot go perhaps to Asia or to South America or to Africa, but God, we can certainly go across the street and across town and to the gas station, and to the grocery store clerk, and give a gospel track. And God, I pray that You would help us to have that on our minds and our hearts and be actively involved in reaching people, Father, with Your gospel. Because they're people for whom You've died on the cross of Calvary. And You shed Your blood and You love them. God, I pray that You'd help us to be involved in ministry, to pray for our missionaries, to give and Father will certainly thank you for that. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every person that's here, and in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, as the piano plays, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar is open. The Gentile ministry—really, it's the ministry to the entire world. We could say it that way. All focused on the Gentiles because of the divide that is taking place there. to a close. Again, appreciate your faithfulness being in the house of the Lord.